Welcome to another episode of This Is My Generation, a podcast full of information for parents in the early years of homeschooling who are seeking clarity and encouragement to get through the uncertainty of homeschooling and build a thriving education for their family. I'm Dr. Melanie Bisson, the founder and owner of Generation, a company transforming education for the six plus million parents now paving their own educational path for their kids, the next generation. We do this through our group coaching program, Harvest, where parents sow seeds of clarity in their vision and goals, reap the fruits that come from being aligned in your approach and programs, stay rooted in empowerment and thrive together in community. You can follow us on Instagram at underscore This Is My Generation. friends. So I'm really excited for this one because two things this week prompted me to shift the podcast calendar to record this one now. Um, I was just very eager because, you know, we've talked about the roles of parent versus teacher recently. Um, Go ahead and listen to episode 12 for context. um, If you haven't yet, either before or after this, I think it could be helpful. But I want to expand on the emotional side of this for for today and focus on the subject of the person that's in the middle of those two roles, right? That's our child or children. And I've touched on this a little bit before, but, you know, one of the things that prompted me to want to do this just now and sort of, you know, word vomit all of my thoughts on you is... Our oldest son, Josiah, who I'm homeschooling for the first time this year, um, is about to be five and a half and has all of the same qualities as his parents. (laughs) Uh, The boldness, the type A personality, the lover of laughs, but he also has our competitive perfectionist tendencies. And this has come out, I mean, really in his work since he was in like preschool PK3 or whatever they call it up in Massachusetts. But now that we're getting into the part of his reading curriculum, that's truly new. And for a brief context, like he was in VPK last year at a private school that had too few students, and he was actually working to his level and completed the full kindergarten curriculum and state standards, unbeknownst to us. So I've done a lot of assessments and thinking over the summer, and we're working through a full first grade curriculum this year. But this whole week, we were, we're doing final blends. So, and I think I mentioned this last week, like the ST, SP, you know, ND, whatever it is, there's like a dozen or so of them. Um, and so we're working through these final blends and we no longer like blow through lessons in a day or two because the fluency sheets are much longer and the activities in general are a little bit more exhaustive, but But anyway, so he's been going through a prep sheet for a new story that he was about to read. This is just yesterday. And he's just tripping all over himself. And this is not, I wouldn't say it's common, but it it wasn't a surprise because he's definitely done it before. And so like when he gets wound up, he just exaggerates how he sounds things out. And I'm constantly reminding him to like relax his upper body, his throat, his mouth, and just do the photogram smoothly and relaxed. But yesterday he was like, sounding out, I think it was fast. Like, you know, he'd go, uh, and he'd do the slow blend perfectly. And then he would turn it into something totally different. Like, I mean, he just, you know, like you can see his whole body just, you know, like, and, and I've worked through all the tips within the curriculum, you know, for parents, like in terms of letting them do the whole sentence before correcting a word to see if it makes sense to them and they'll self-correct. And he usually does. And he gets mad at himself, like full on, you know, like push his chair away from the table or just rub his face in frustration. And it's, 
it's hard for me to sit there quietly and watch him struggle, right? Because I want to jump in and fix it. And like, I'm just a, a problem solver naturally. And I've learned over the years to sort of like ask things to friends, like, you know, do you just want to vent or do you want an opinion or advice just to sort of like tame my usual like advice monster, as I call it? Um, that's a funny term I got during my uh, my doctorate program. But, you know, because I'm I it's just we get eager, right? Like you got to give something to, to each person or situation. And, and I'm like that with teaching too, especially on top of like my controlling tendencies as a parent. And so like, I think I've been working through this well and finding like some good balance, but I say all of this to say that yesterday I was able to just really chill. And I, I just like touched his shoulder and I looked at him in the eye and I was like, just come sit on my lap for a second. And I just poured into him for a minute. And instead of encouraging him in a sort of like unintended, backhanded, condemning way, like, you know, you just did these words yesterday, man. Like, come on, you've got this. Like, which has definitely been something I've said in the past. Like, I just sat with him and held him and said, like, it's okay to not get it the first time, bud. Like, you are smart, determined, you've been working on these so hard. There's nothing here that you haven't seen before. So don't be afraid. Like, there's no little tricks. Like, don't let your mind mess with you. Don't let the enemy take from you what God's already given you, which is peace and rest. Like things that we've affirmed over him and talked to him about a lot. And then I just quietly reminded him of the practical things, like keeping his mouth relaxed and not lingering on a song, like on a sound too long. And then I asked if he wanted to try again or if he wanted a five minute break. Like, and he knows the expectation was that we would finish the story during our time together, but it doesn't mean I can't provide him a break, right? And, and he tackled it head on and he finished pretty strong. But then later in the day, and stay with me because I am going somewhere. <laughs> um, one, of my flo- my, one of my closest friends reached out in a group chat because she is struggling this week with her daughter's behavior with their nanny during pickup after school. And, and both she and her husband work, you know, busy full-time jobs. They've, they've been in a season of transition for a while. And, and her focus in asking for advice was on teaching the kids to respect others and putting a stop to the nasty behavior. And, and while that's a warranted thing to obviously want to teach, I inquired about like one-on-one time with each girl and what they might be getting per day. And it turns out they ultimately only get like 40 to 50 minutes with the kids at bedtime. And while they like split it up and relax, you know, the routine and chat about their day and stuff, I pointed out that it's not necessarily what the kids want to be doing. And that the behavior could be, you know, as simple as just a cry for attention. And so I suggested something, you know, I remember reading years, years back when I was in the thick of the weekly work travel grind and all of that, that same sort of mess. And it was 10 minutes of one-on-one attention per day when you're doing what the child wants. So, you know, simply sitting on the floor playing pretend Paw Patrol missions playing a board game, playing football outside, like whatever they want. Like you don't get to put any, I mean, obviously within reason, right? Like you can't, you know, oh, 10 minutes to go, you know, down the street for ice cream may not work, but like, you know, things that might annoy you that you don't feel like playing, like, but they're asking you to like, you know, just, just do it. No phones, no distractions, anything. And so she was receptive to it and knew that giving it a try before, you know, like any swift, punishment or changing of schedules and stuff would be beneficial for everyone. But it just, it really got me thinking 
well, first of all, of how far I've come from not like wanting kids at all to this just radical transformation that God has done in me in terms of calling me to leave my lucrative corporate career and now have the boys home and homeschooling and how my heart is just really shifting towards them in a totally like different way. But then just reflecting on the relationship aspect in relation to the morning I'd had with Josiah. Because I think even as dedicated homeschool parents who want to be home with our children and we're cultivating this livelihood, we can still sometimes lose that relational focus when working through like lessons and academic work. And so that's that's really what I wanted to focus on was because even though our kids likely have that one-on-one time with us throughout the day, we can unknowingly take for granted, I think, just that need for that relationship, that attention during quote unquote schoolwork too, because we forget that like, while there's an overlap in our parent teacher relationships, that they still specifically need that connection and encouragement when, when we're in teacher mode. I mean, like think back to your own childhood and relationships with teachers, like what memories stand out the most? Like, sure. There might be the ones that, you know, where they gave you more recess or they let you watch like movies every Friday, but like you remember how they made you feel, right? Like I have an awful recall of certain years and memories of my childhood. Like my husband's just sort of astounded sometimes because we went to elementary school together and the things that he remembers versus me are just wild. But like, man, I, I just, I remember my third grade teacher, Ms. Kelly, like I remember her breath and just her stern voice. But then I also Like, I just, I miss Mrs. Thompson's, like my fifth grade teacher, just her motherly dynamic and how she made sure to tell me that she cared about me and was proud of me when I did something right. Like, we will be that for our kids. Like, we will be those long-term memories when, you know, they're prompted on some, you know, work thing or something one day to, you know, tell a memory about a teacher. Like, we will get to be there. And so our time is now to get it right. And and these are always pep talk episodes for myself too. And it's to encourage us not to add more to our plate or condemn us. I, I hope I can't emphasize that enough. But if you've been struggling through this month with pushback or behavior, and you've been listening along and taking nuggets of advice and things to try, then I think this one can go to the top of that list. Like spend the next week focusing on the relationship dynamic with your child during your academic lessons and just take note of what shifts you see in them based on your words and actions because i would argue that because your child lives with their teacher the importance of a positive student teacher relationship is even greater than in a traditional school setting you know i think it's easy to just get caught up in the routine of the home lessons and the heightened awareness that we now have of like their little nuanced struggles and behaviors during, you know, quote unquote school time. That I think the tendency is just to get hyper focused on teaching and quote unquote improving our kids that we forget to let them know how important they are to us and how much we believe in them. Like the best teachers are the ones that are celebrated for their ability to provide positive encouragement, right? And uplift the vulnerable and motivate us to reach higher. Like you don't hear stories on the news of the mediocre ones in that regard, right? Like those aren't the ones that are being interviewed and stuff. So if we can be even a fraction of that to the children we're teaching in our own home, 
the success is just immeasurable. And it's not success like measured just by academics, obviously, right? But the life within your own philosophies and beliefs. I just, I, we owe it to them to make each lesson time special and give that attention to the best of our abilities, right? Like even if you're homeschooling in the midst of tiny siblings or working remotely or juggling, caring for an elder parent, like whatever it might be, I think making these mental shifts in our energy toward them can just make a huge difference. And I'm looking forward to really diving in more, writing some notes down about like, which is things I mentally notice in the difference between Josiah, you know, when I'm just kind of going through the grind and in the back of my head, I'm trying to, you know, make it through Levi's nap before he wakes up. And, you know, I've got to do this thing for work and all oh, the dog's getting into something else, like, and just fully being president and letting my energy be one of positive encouragement. Um, you know, like one of my favorite definitions of the infinitive to teach is to cause someone to learn or understand something by example or experience. Like we get to be in control of the value that we place on that teaching. And that's just such a privilege in and of itself to shift our thinking to, we get to do this, not we have to do this, or we need to get through this. Like, especially for those of us who choose to homeschool, at least part of the reason because of the control we get to have on the messages our children hear. Like, let us not forget that, that we get to be in control of the value we place on the teaching and the things that they hear. And so it should be messages of, I believe in you. I'm so proud of you for doing that, right? So overall, this is a short episode because, you know, you're just getting a quick insight into where my head was at the last couple of days. But I want to leave you with some things to think about just adding to your time in teaching, if you aren't already, um, to really be the teacher that your child needs. Because that's that that was just the thought that kept running through my head, and it's why I titled the episode the way I did. The teacher your child needs. Not this one's not about us, right? This is not about the tips and tricks for us and balancing the parent teacher role. Like all those things are necessary, the communication, the self-care, like all the things we've talked about. But right now, in the moment, it's who our kids need from us. So, you know, notice when your child's doing something right. You know, maybe you've corrected them on something academically a few times before, or in my case, like you found them just staying still in their little rolly chair after they've gotten frustrated and then provide them that immediate feedback. Like it doesn't have to be a mini dissertation. Like it just needs to be a simple word. You know, like, hey, great job sitting in your chair and then move on. And then like notice like, oh, like did their eyes twinkle? Did a smile curve on their lips? Like, OK, like let that sink in and then do this frequently. Like keep finding ways and places to give them feedback in positive reinforcing ways. Like they will respond better, I believe, with smaller, more frequent pieces of feedback in the same way that they respond better to one simple correction and not this like lengthy discourse on what they could be doing better and what you expect from them and, and this lecture, right? The same thing goes for when we're creating positive feedback. And then just be consistent in those expectations and the efforts that you expect from them too, right? I mean, we've talked about that sort of ad nauseum, but, you know, communicating what you expect then just obviously helps the boundaries around the rest of it. 
Um, but smile often. I sort of have to remind myself of that a lot because I'm kind of known for that like resting bitch face anyways. Um, but like if he's glancing up at me for affirmation on something he's doing, like why am I not smiling more? Or am I? Like just taking note of that. You can listen well. You know, think back to maybe like a college leadership class or something on listening skills. Like even if the phone is in your hand, they can see that something else has a hold on you. A little, a little sibling, something else. So make eye contact. Face your body towards them as frequently as possible. And treat them the way you would if you were hired to be a one-on-one tutor to another child, right? It's a job, a responsibility to be a good listener. Um, albeit, you know, as hard as it might be in the moment with a million other things going on, like these are just the things that they need from a teacher. If you have multiple siblings, you know, just be cautious not to make comparisons, I think, especially around benchmarks. I mean, I've even had to be careful with this with Josiah and just reminding him of things he was capable of last year. You know, like the tendency, I remember, um, I think I mentioned this before, but he used to just like sit in the back seat and like ask um, Aaron and I for like, give me a hard math problem. Give me a hard math problem. And you'd, you'd do like seven plus eight. And he would just go, mm, 15. I'm like, how in the world did you do that? He's like, oh, four, you know, seven plus seven is 14. And then one more is 15. And like now he's over here kind of tripping over himself and he's, he's working th- slowly and methodically like the right way through the sheets and he's getting it and, and he's, you know, rolling on through. But it's like, it's not relevant in the moment for me to like, oh, you did this last year, buddy. Like you're, you can totally do it. Like instead, if I just keep my mouth shut and focus on being a positive, encouraging encourager to him in the moment, like digging into what will actually help him. That's what he needs. Not reminders of where he isn't at because it just, it doesn't matter anyways. Like I'm focusing on progress over perfection. Right. And then I think, um, with what we talked about in terms of like the little celebrations and stuff from last week, like just find something unique for you that you, you like for celebrating, you know, little high fives and fist bumps, like a little secret handshake, like what have you got to, to celebrate milestones and a little cheer when things feel too hard? Like, yes, I can. Yes, I can. Like make it a little song or pointing back to a binder of something that they previously overcame. Like whatever it might be, just remember it's about fostering that love and just that encouraging relationship. And, you know, I could sort of like go on and add a few more things to it, but honestly, like that's just sort of it. (laughs) It's where my mind was at. It's just a little brain dump of my week and the thoughts, you know, and I hope it's just proven helpful to kind of hear uh, the importance of, okay, it's not just about balancing parent and teacher, but what does our child need from us in terms of being that teacher? Because they live with both of us and they're going to carry those memories with them in the future. And we owe it to them to give the best of ourselves in that moment. And it's crazy hard. I mean, we're, we're juggling so many other things, right. But just let it serve as a perspective that we get to be in this position and we have so much more control over the situation than we would when they were 
away from us eight hours a day in traditional school. Uh, and, and to do with that what we can to serve them in the best way. So anyways, I'd love to hear like what things you're doing at home during your study time to create these little encouraging one-on-one moments and build that teacher relationship with your child. So send me an email, Melanie, this is my generation.com. Send me a message on Instagram. Um, although I haven't been on there like I want to, I got to build that out, but that's, that's for another time. Um, so until next time. If this is resonating with you and you want to be free of the uncertainty and the overwhelm, then hop on over to thisismygeneration.com and explore the options for the Harvest Program and download one of our free eBooks. I'm so excited to help parents get out of their head and get in sync with their homeschool vision and plans. Our four-step process of sowing seeds of clarity, reaping the fruits of alignment, staying rooted in empowerment, and thriving in community include all the concrete ways to overcome the common mindset challenges homeschool parents face and move you into a growth mindset that will trade the uncertainty and overwhelm for calm confidence. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast and follow us on Instagram at underscore this is my generation.